Ladies and Gentiles, welcome to the latest potential greatest edition of Nick's Nonfiction here with your host Nick Muniz. Today we have got David Stewart's Anasazi America. Today I prove to you that I'm not a suit. I do not believe everything that I read, even if an academic wrote it. Seriously, I'm taking shots at the modern timeline of history today. This should be behind a paywall. For three times the length of American empire, the Anasazi ruled over the American Southwest. They say the empire was larger than any European principality at the time. These guys had roads, they had great houses, apartment buildings. Once you see the pictures, you won't believe it. The Anasazi translates to the ancient ones. So you stay with me today. I'll take you through the book of Enoch, motherfucker. Are we really the first ones here? Christopher Columbus in 1492. You're so smart. <laughs> they have farming plots throughout the Valley of Zion. Like just as an experiment, pull up Google Earth when you're bored at work and start scrolling around the deserts of Arizona. <laughs> we have our own Nazca lines here, the Peruvian lines. Brother, there's something going on that people are starting to catch on to. Like, Chinese tourists are getting gouged for day passes at Zion. We're going to talk about national parks today. The ones I've been to and what might be underneath. <laughs> Our collapses, they sound pretty similar to the Anasazi, and that's going to be his academic five-chapter arc that we go through. Among Anasazi problems was the misuse of farmland and loss of community, man. Okay, dude. I'm trying to figure out what our actual history is as human beings. Like, I don't even do work at work, people. <laughs> Behind the counter of the liquor store, I'm watching John Levi videos. He has four years worth of videos, one video every week. I watch it at double speed. My world is changing, bro. <laughs> like... Tip number one, every capital in every city around the world is Greco-Roman style. It's going to change your paradigm today. He says, um, the parallels to modern America seemed obvious. You see his take for the day. We're going deeper. Quote, it is my hope that this book will be both informative to readers and provide them with food for thought. The American Southwest is distinct, colorful, delightful, but most important of all, it offers a parallel from the past that can inform our own present, if not the future. Bro, you're not ready. <laughs> Buckle up, we'll be right back after some memes. About the author David Stewart. David E. Stewart is an American anthropologist, novelist, associate of Provost Emeritus at University of New Mexico. Prost! He graduated from West Virginia, Wesleyan College, yeah, and then he got his master's in New Mexico. He's been there ever, ever since. I live at 308 Negro Arroyo Lane, Albuquerque, New Mexico. That was the moment Nick Muniz became Walter White. <laughs> My interpretation of the Breaking Bad Netflix series? <laughs> Why do that has such a big cult? We need a cult of the Anasazi out here. If Portland's motto is keep Portland weird, I think Albuquerque's motto should be keep Albuquerque quirky. <laughs> there were three sentences about this guy. He has conducted fieldwork in Alaska, Ecuador, Mexico, the Southwest. He teaches at University of New Mexico. He is a Guggenheim fellow. 
Oh, man, there's a lot there. What do they call themselves? Googans or the Hymans? <laughs> Cut it short. We'll be back with some real information after a meme. Anastasia America, Chapter 1, Chaco Country. We're going to be going like in and out of the real timeline, the proposed timeline, the fake ones. Just hold on to my hand today. I don't want to use up all three of my trust me's too early on, but when we're setting up the base, I might need them. Quote, At their height in the late 11th century, the Chaco Anasazi dominated 40,000 square miles of scrubby, semi-arid Four Corners region. This was an area nearly the size of Germany. It's considerably larger than any one European principality of the time. Uh. In the year 1100, there were monarchies going on over in Europe, and apparently there was an empire bigger than Germany in America, made up of natives. Pretty sick. There were hundreds of towns, tens of thousands of farms, hundreds of miles of roadways connecting the whole system. Chaco Canyon, now a national park and like the Great Pyramids of Giza, a World Heritage Site, sus, was both the heart and the soul of this domain. Look out for UNESCO. Any big sus, bro. Quote, when Chaco Canyon society collapsed, different clans and families experienced different fates, each according to their wealth, their situation and knowledge they possessed. Some stayed in the great houses, others moved away and abandoned their farmsteads. Went off for a while on how much natives are a mix of Anasazi and Pueblo. And before them was the Tarahumara. That's who we read the running book about. I don't know. Eventually it's going to be racist to say Native American because there's so many different kinds. It probably already is. <laughs> you could tell a half of the people around the globe, you're white, but I have to know your exact tribe. <laughs> David's first point, in today's world... An economic disturbance in one nation can within days cascade into direct financial consequences for the other half of the world. Um, like, I've read you guys a couple hundred books about empires. Once you centralize things, when one thing fails, everything fails. And this very smart academic is picking up on this, making his whole first fucking chapter about it. Some history I looked up about Chaco Canyon... In 1849, J.H. Simpson went to the jagged canyon of the dried-out Chaco River under a blazing August sun beheld a number of magnificent abandoned sandstone citadels in partial ruin. Though these empty villages had long been known to the New Mexicans and Indian guides, the expeditions were new to Simpson. You know, this is the rediscovery. Quote, Simpson speculated that these large ruins evidenced an early higher civilization that which existed among Indian nations in his own day. He's already saying off the bat, we're settlers, bro. We can't build this. <laughs> Jeez, bro, I can't, like, drag everybody in too deep too soon because it's an irresponsible way to use the information. But just, like, start asking yourself, how in the fuck did these guys build the Washington Monument with horses? <laughs> I don't know, man. We did the Pyramid book. If you're a Patreoner, you know where I stand on some of this stuff. But even the Washington Monument, half of it is a different color. We had to relocate mines. Let's dig underneath it and see if you guys are telling the truth. It's said in the book Simpson carved his name into the first stone house he saw. 
and it didn't say that on Wikipedia. So I corroborated the evidence here. These natives were like, we already know where it is, Simpson. Why are you carving your name into it? <laughs> He's like, because I discovered it. Jesus. <laughs> it's the pyramid book all over again. Quote, but as Simpson rode away with his companions to explore other terrain, he could not have known that the Anasazi had started out much less impressively. It had taken them many centuries of development before they were able to create what he had just seen. Dun dun dun! <laughs> now let us begin with the roots of Anasazi society and set forth the entire saga. So now he's going to get into some history. 10,000 years ago, the Bering Land Bridge was frozen. Again, this book, <laughs> I've read it a million times. Like, scientists said that Miami was supposed to be underwater by 2020. I'm kind of done believing that 10,000 years ago, exactly, we know that the Bering Strait was frozen. A motherfucking weatherman can't predict the weather today. We're going <laughs> to pay tribute. <laughs> like, these books, you'll see the authors have to pay tribute to the academic community up front to show, like, I'm playing by the rules here. And that's what the timeline is. Stop fucking wasting pages, David. This rant is nothing. It's just to show you're a good little boy. Uh, like in the 1910s, <laughs> the Smithsonian found giant bones around the four corners. In the 1920s, we found Egyptian ruins in the Grand Canyon. That part of the Grand Canyon is still out of order. You're not allowed to go there. There's a no-fly zone. I said I would tell you about the national parks. I am going to go into that part of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> They're going to fucking have to shoot me, bro. There's stuff being hidden from us. So this guy's basically doing the Easter Island book right now. The Rapa Nui came here and then deforested the land. Okay. These people were fully modern humans. He says they knew fire, had small domesticated dogs, had a variety of simple tools. Uh, they fashioned clothes from hide, from the finds at Monteverde, or just whatever, bro. And a lot of people get squeamish when you say this word. Tartaria. That just means wool. Rather than learning what the name of people's tribe is, <laughs> people referred to each other by what they wore back in the day. So we would have called these motherfuckers the moccasins. Pretty cool. At the end of the chapter, they had this name of men called the Clovis. It was a class of guys that just roamed around persistence hunting buffaloes. Bro, I'm going to go jog after this deer until it dies of collapse. Anybody want to come? This is unfathomably based. Clovis, they hunted bison, deer, elk, pronghorn, beer, desert, bighorn, sheep. I'd say that's a more varied diet than the modern McMahon. Judging from what we know of modern hunters and gatherers, these Paleo-Indians had few possessions, worked only enough to meet their basic needs, about 500 hours per year. And we're smart, right guys? <laughs> Did you know that we work 2,000 hours a year? We don't even know how many hours we work a year. We work four times as hard as cavemen, and we're smart. Like, think about Taiwanese sweatshops, they work 4,000 hours a year. Don't make me say it. Where is the wealth going? Even in these empires. It all worked as long as nothing changed dramatically, he said. The story of the ages. The exact date by which domesticated corn reached the four corners remains in dispute. 
from excavations at Bat Cave in West Central New Mexico, we know that a small cobbed popcorn called Chapalote was being cultivated there by approximately 1500 BC. You know when you're driving sometimes and you don't even remember where you are? That's what I did in the middle of that quote. (laughs) They had popcorn. Okay? Why are these fucking authors? (laughs) I need someone to debrief my books before I have to read them. So yeah, they had popcorn. And like, I'm not going to do this guy's history book the entire time because it'll be fucking boring. I want to show you guys how my mind works and how you could start to think more independently. So now I go and I googled who invented popcorn. And according to Google, Charles Creter of Chicago invented popcorn in 1880. I thought it was Orville Redenbacher. I thought it was Native Americans making popcorn. Like, how long do we just keep pretending that Google, that the main sources have the answers? It's all fucking story time. What is Wikipedia? Who runs this? I have never once donated to Wikipedia. Click to the little box. (laughs) It's run by the government. Bro, one of my favorite, like, internet genres now is just watching people debunk Wikipedia. Bro, like, why is this search engine free? Maybe there's other motives. Their corn was going through a drought. Same thing's going to happen to us. We rely on corn and potatoes. We're not the stars and stripes. We're the starch and stripes. (laughs) The, uh... Anasazi, they were able to make a strain of corn that grew at 6,800 feet. High altitude, very hard to farm on. Quote, even though corn was a factor in the region's population growth, it had regional population decline when in the first few centuries the introduction of corn was there. Like, that's us right now. We're slurping down corn syrup and corn oil. (laughs) Fucking, there's evolutionary holding patterns. I don't know how to say it. It's not all progress. Like, now that we have as much kettle corn as our heart desires, we aren't fucking as much. And I think that's where this book goes, but, like, the population is declining. Once you just start getting too much food. And, of course, there's a happy medium here. I'm not taking any stances here today. I'm just throwing shade at the official stories. I think instead of corn, we should get on beans, bro. Like, if we want to beat the Russians and they eat beets, we gotta eat beans. We're human beans. We need levity. What? These fucks don't care about us. They're lying about who invented popcorn. Why would they care about our health? In these campsites, people dug more and larger bell-shaped storage pits in which to share their harvests for times of need. Fuck a wine cellar, I'm gonna have a bean cellar. What are modern horticulturalists even doing? (laughs) You work 2,000 hours a year. Plants grow themselves. Quote, Families drifted back towards more traditional hunting and gathering as their neighbors learned how to squeeze more food from less space through small-scale agriculture. He's going fucking Marty McFly with the timelines over here. Skipping forward, people didn't know how to manage their farmland. We know the story. He's saying women started getting real nice with the basket weaving. They're making shoes out of yucca roots. 
quote, artisans used their feathers along with yucca fibers and strips of rabbit fur to make open weave thermal blankets, an extraordinary clever blending of plant and animal byproducts. That's one of the best things if you go to a history museum, the moccasins. Never sleep on a Native American shoe. Some also had a foot drum. They would, like, replace part of the floor of their apartment with a drum. Downstairs neighbors must have hated them. Quote, More change took place in the 500 or 600 years of the Anasazi basket maker era than in the 10,000 years preceding it. Which brings us to chapter 3, The Golden Age. If it is true that the gods help those who help themselves... Then at AD 1000, the Chaco Anasazi were overdue for such intervention. David has to let us know he's smarter than God here. Mind you, the gods had not granted abundance, only predictability. Rainfall was on average not much greater than usual. It was merely more predictable. They made a really big mistake here. The San Juan Valley is a super arid region, and it goes through 130 years of droughts. So they had to, like, pack up and leave. (sighs) I don't know, like, how are we predicting these cycles also when there's cycles within cycles? Quote, The true genius of Chakwin society, however, was that the whole was much greater than the sum of its parts. This is an opinion piece right now. He's an authoritarian. Chakwin society was based on clusters of far-faring farming communities. (laughs) far-flung farming communities intercepted by trade, sharing, and ritual. This stands in striking contrast to much of feudal Europe at 81,000. So he's repeating himself before. We are as big as the Europeans were. They had more organization with less authority than a monarchy. Oh, but that's anarchy. There's a way to decentralize without violence. Quote, Loyalty to the local castle holder and landowner often coerced was the glue that held such districts together. Most of them, except the great nation's ports, were distinct little islands of interesting but provincial local culture. Each was separate, and each had its own local social hierarchy. He's saying it's very much like Europe. Each little town had their own special moccasins. Though the horses and armor might have dazzled them momentarily... No Chacoan would have been impressed by the size, scale, or quality of life of the average feudal European holding land at this time. This is when it started to get good. He's talking about San Juan Canyon. The Fort Wingate Great House lies so close to Interstate 40 that parts of its immense kiva was actually destroyed in 1957 in the process of building the highway. Suspect. This is where we got to turn the show towards... It was one of these great houses. It's a San Juan Chaco millionaire listing. History being destroyed. (laughs) Like the entire Southwest could have been nuked to cover over this old civilization. I don't really think that's what happened, but it could have. (laughs) Quote, virtually every knoll or low sandstone ridge lying above the floodplain. Floodplains was once home to farmers who made this the first breadbasket of Chaco Anasazi. So he's dragging out the San Juan story 130 years. They're going to thrive there, and then it's going to fall apart. But in the modern day, we're building highways through it and destroying the history. Good. So that fucking Twinkies can get from point A to B that faster. 
A season of ritual events and gatherings followed the harvest. In spring, houses were replastered and the clay and beam roofs repaired. Repaired, sure. <laughs> and when the sun priest announced that the time was right, seed was brought from storage pits and cycled anew. <sighs> Bro, I don't like the old story. It's not that interesting. Like, now we know there's a sun god. There's a guy in the high-up elder tribe of the Anasazi who's telling you when to plant the seeds. This is Bill Gates buying up all the farms. It's just getting centralized at this point. <laughs> Same story. I'm thinking about right now when I slept in the castle. Like, this is in one of the John Levi videos. I didn't even know when I was there. The story struck my funny bone. This castle made completely out of stone was destroyed by a lightning storm. Yeah? Was this lightning storm made out of hydrogen bombs? What are you even talking about, bro? Just sit there and think about it. Look it up. It used to be the summer home for United States presidents. How were there no roads? I was like, how the fuck did this stuff get up here? I've slept within old world buildings. And now I'm thinking about the Denver Cathedral. I went there to do my own research. I'll probably have to put a video together about it. It felt like I was in a different world. My vision was like going in and out of different... It's a perfect architectural building. I've never been to Europe to see all the things, but like... The acoustics were perfect. They didn't have the, what's it called, the organ going. Just felt good to be in there. And to show you that I'm not fully crazy, like, people think this might actually be a remain from an older empire. It's old as fuck. I went over to some of the columns, and they were completely made out of marble. <laughs> Where are you getting this marble in the Rocky Mountains? And so, I looked up, and these pillars were made out of wood. So I was like, I don't know, bro. This is standing here for thousands of years, and the pillars are made out of wood. If this is true greatness, it all would have been marble. I don't know. I'll never say I know. But uh, there's different ways to think about the things you're seeing. For sure. He said State Road 57 winds its way northeast for about five miles along rolling hills studded with pinyon and juniper. I was looking this up on Google Maps. People drop pins around this highway where they find cave paintings and stuff. Pretty sick. He says at 6,900 feet of elevation, it overlooks Casamero, a floodplain adjacent to the Wash and eastern tongue of the Red Mesa Valley. These ancient farmlands are dotted with pinion, a prickly pear, <coughs> and desert grass. Uninteresting. He's still talking about their diet. You're supposed to go, oh, we have milk, I have calcium. They have, like, mustard seeds and shit we don't even know of that gives them calcium. And, uh, yeah, he's going on to talk about they started making some dams as well. Damn! The maps, they were kind of cool here. They underwent 200 years of expansion. They became the size of Germany. This one tribe, badass. Quote, by 1100, land use and settlement patterns changed rapidly and dramatically in the canyon itself. New great house construction exploded in Chaco Canyon and older sites like Pueblo Bonita were boldly expanded to scale huge earlier sizes. They kept adding to it. The cities were getting bigger. And yeah, our timelines could be completely off. Like we're saying 1100. The guy discovered it in 1500. These are rough estimates. 
quote about 400 miles and to make you know i'm not crazy that guy john anthony west he did a carbon date of the sphinx and found out it was hundreds of thousands of years old so like you're told egypt is six thousand years that's a lie so now i have to try to sound crazy and (laughs) get the real history through it's pretty fucking wild when you start going deep guys so that's why you got to keep your head on your shoulders for one dollar i'm laying out a safe awakening this shit is off the rails (laughs) by 1100 a.d most of the great houses were abandoned he said some people stayed a stronghold 20 miles of chaco canyon north was there until 1950 i'm sorry 1150 (laughs) credit to david quote so was all of this done with fire hardening digging sticks and shallow cottonwood scoops (laughs) Like, literally, the mountains that they're digging into are harder than the tools they had. Some motherfuckers think that the mountains are melted buildings, okay? I'm not that far out there. But what we're being told is for sure lies. While someone worked on such a project who bought him food and water, and for how long? For how far? He's saying, like, even the roads... Whatever, societies nearly always push on with ways of doing things that have an immediate and visible benefit even after the benefit begins to erode. Overplanting, overbuilding, and overreaching were not quaint Chacoan folkways. Damn. So even this guy's starting to theorize. Maybe the Chacoans were taken over. They weren't really acting like themselves. There were some weird leaders. Best quote of the book, maybe. We moderns believe we can find a technological solution to any problem. But how is that different from the Chacoan frenzy of Kiva building, accelerated ritual activity in the late and early 1100s? Hoya, hoya, iPhone save us. Chapter 4, The Fall. Why are Native Americans good strippers? Every time they dance, they make it rain. Quote, as the Chaco phenomena grew in size, extent, and complexity, the amount of food stored in ordinary farmsteads did not increase, but the amount stored in the great houses grew exponentially. Yeah, they're in the hoarding phase. We're seeing in this example that they took all of the resources and centered it in the cities. He's going Chaco Canyon was basically the nerve center. Every single road led back there. David thinks there was a loss of communication between the capital and the farmsteads. It's the Hunger Games out here. Quote, Chaco Canyon children younger than five years old made up nearly 26% of all burials. In the lowest percent of the region, in outlying districts, the figure rose to about 45%. Over time, it faltered throughout the 1100s. The biggest killer they thought was iron deficiency. Yeah, so they didn't have enough wild game meat. You gotta eat liver and all that. Quote, The early basket maker style diet of corn, bean, squash, supplemented by wild game and flant was a better diet. Guys saying that they're shrinking, the men grew less. In great houses, grave bowls typically contained food offerings for the dead. In farmsteads, food was apparently too precious to be frequently bestowed as a gift to the dead. <laughs> the hoarding phase bro as i can't afford gas or chicken the elites are in their private jets quote in other rooms they found carved flutes dozens of elaborate ceremonial sticks copper bells intricate turquoise beads carved pendants 
Yeah, they're getting decadent. Nobody's caring that they don't have food. They're designing their Instagram page. Big quote. I believe it was the drought of the 1090s that ripped apart the very fabric of the Chaco phenomena. This was the event that forced small farmers to go at it alone and walk away from their farms in droves. Their participation in ritual and the cost of supporting it no longer brought them enough rain or seed corn. It didn't benefit them to be part of the whole anymore. Like this just happened this past summer in Denmark. All the farmers, they drove their tractors to the middle of the cities. (laughs) Once the people stopped participating, the empire's done. Then the rains came again, adding to the elite's power, reinforcing the formulaic response. The number and sizes of kivas was built at this point reached truly astounding proportions. It was basically a real estate bubble. (laughs) Give us some of your corn to make sure that we can build more apartments. Okay, who's going to live there? You, you're having more kids. And that's what he's going into here. The acceptable birth rate is 2.1 kids. They weren't having enough kids. That's pretty wild. It's just real estate. (laughs) Like it's the Chinese ghost cities today. Why are these being built? I don't think it's just money. Like if we're going schizo today, bro, maybe it's for the next swath of people to be born into and told a new story. To me, the citadel of Bizanani of the Great North Road says it all. That fortified house atop its formidable shale ridge was clearly built for defense. Erected during the 1130s, it contains the latest roof beams datable to great houses. Maybe they were went and got eaten by all the Apache. Nobody knows. He's saying, We modern humans have seen some of these same things in the United States and we have read history. Most of our forebears washed up on these shores are similar familiars, failures in land. So again, he's saying the same bullshit. It's our fault for not managing the resources. Like right now, I'm thinking about Fort McHenry. I went there as a kid and I bawled my eyes out. It's a historic star fort. Bro, I think we move into these places and just mount some cannons... How are they building these walls? <laughs> Bro, I want to see the world. This is the type of shit right here. Let's go to chapter 5, Anasazi America. Are we cursed by the ancestors of this continent? Can we pull our head out of our fucking ass? Like, just everybody read 10 books. 10 non-fiction books and then come back. You're gonna see... <laughs> The Pueblans were the Chacones who chose to stay in the ruins for the next thousand years. Bro, like, what are what am I? <laughs> I'm some American mutt? I'm just a child of the monarchy who had an ancestor that was brave enough to make it over here. What the fuck even is this shit? The Chacos. I'm a white dude, okay? I'm a human. <laughs> On to the analysis. Our huge middle class has been a stabilizing influence on the nation. Strong identification with the middle class is the closest thing America has to national community with shared interests. Yeah, I'll save all this for like a political book. Nobody has community. The only illusion of community has is I'm middle class. (laughs) You ever heard that statistic? Like most people who are lower class think they're upper middle class. Everybody thinks they're a Kardashian. 
and that's how empires go to die. They took her jobs. And beyond income and literacy, other differences divided us in America and make it hard to establish real communities. <laughs> Nobody knows where their food, their water, or their power comes from. It's kind of hard to have a real community there. Quote, Had Chaco's elite shared more with the farmers, foregoing even a portion of the cost of maintaining their elite status, Chaco and society might have survived. Okay. Or maybe this. No fucking elites allowed. See, he's still on good boy team. I did the allotted timeline. I'm saying that we still need elites. Fuck those clowns. Final quote. The themes of this book are transformation and survival. The marketplace's questions. Can you buy it cheaper today than yesterday? Needs to be transformed into... Is it essential to survive? Can you get it today or tomorrow? Houses. Good thing we have a million fucking apartments nobody can afford. <laughs> are we ready for what might come next? The poles are switching, people. We are going from a time of blue sky to red. It is time for the new millennia. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, Anasazi, America. We'll be going deeper. I gotta find out a way to package all this data that I've been getting. It feels like a download from the universe. <laughs> yeah, guys, just have an open mind. Start questioning things. Go to sick cathedrals and enjoy it. Next week on the show, we have got a mystery edition coming up. I've been considering Ixnang the next time edition. So yeah, let me know if you like that. Otherwise, it's gone. <laughs> Patreon.com slash the niche. You get three videos a month for a dollar. Harry Schwan on Instagram. Get your memes there for free. Very funny. We're hitting a stride. That's basically it. Thank you. Again, open your mind. We get a random soundboard effect to take us home. Not for me, baby. <laughs> we get in the knowledge. The knowledge gets stronger week by week. Nick Munez signing off. See you all soon. Peace.